0: Hey guys, welcome back to MVP Podcast, where we are showcasing leaders who live through their mission, vision, and passion to drive growth, profits, and loyalty. Today, we have a very special guest, Letty Sanchez. She's a business coach and consultant who works to get her clients back to their passion. She couldn't be a more perfect first guest, and I'm really excited to have her here. Technically, second guest, because she (laughs) interviewed me just a little bit ago. So um, we're going to dig into these questions. Letty, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about the history, your history, before you started out on this current path. So I...
1: Started in sales um, about 22 years ago, completely by accident. I was actually a high school teacher. Um, I thought that my drive and passion was in coaching and kind of leading people to win and and kind of inspiring and uh, motivating that way. And uh, kind of had a bump in the road in my personal life because I was engaged to be married and my fiance passed away unexpectedly. Um, And it just kind of changed my world completely. So I was looking for a way to kind of fill the space at night, and I answered an ad um, for sales. And so I started selling life insurance. And you talk about something that really fit the mold at the time. I was super passionate about it because I would go out to these um, couples, these husband and wives, and a lot of them were stay-at-home wives. And I was really passionate and explained to them, you know, what's going to happen if you know, you end up in a situation where God forbid something happened, especially if your husband, you know, is the breadwinner and you have no life insurance. And so what I found was that was really driving my presentations and people were were buying what I was selling, but it also helped because I truly, truly believed in the company and they really were all about taking care of their, their clients. Um, so as a result, I was able to um, get promoted really quickly, but it really kind of had a like a glass ceiling because it was a very small company. Um, I then actually uh, applied with Southwestern Bell, which is AT&T, and I was lucky enough to get in um, as a telephone sales rep, and I joined, was there for 19 and a half years. I loved it. I started as a telephone sales rep, went to telephone sales manager, went to outside sales manager, went to general manager. Was lucky enough to move throughout the country with um, with the company, relocating to Texas, Kansas, Florida, North Carolina, and then back to Texas. And through that, was able to go through their leadership programs, um, surrounding myself with wonderful, wonderful teams, people, clients, and just learning and learning and learning from my team, learning with my team, and just was able to absorb so much throughout those. 20 years or 19 and a half. I like to round up and uh, basically saw, I would say about 10,000 businesses and just going out and seeing what everybody had in common, which was, you know, they needed help with their business. Um, you know, they were passionate about what they did, but they were really struggling to kind of get the business off the ground. So, um, it was, it was pretty interesting what kind of got me on my path and kept me, um, you know, passionate about what I did was totally by accident, but it's where I am today.
0: So, why did you decide to be a business consultant? What does that even mean to you?
1: So, it's interesting because when I decided to be a consultant, um, I found that I was gravitating towards the consultative process. You know, I always train my team to be consultative, and consultative basically means, um, you know, I I have a saying with my team you don't have a right to recommend advertising and, and marketing to someone until you earn the right to do so by getting to know what their business is about, mm-hmm. you know, because it's not about selling your products. It's not about selling your service. You have to understand what their vision is, what their goal is, and then you have to find the right thing for them. And I always, I've always been a big believer in that, and it's, it's not about, you know, the commerce side of the house. Um, and so what I found is that no matter where I was going, no matter what part of the country I was in, um, I found myself gravitating towards helping the business and it wasn't as much helping towards our our advertising. You know, we they would buy from us. They would buy a ton from us, you know, um, because they trusted us. But I couldn't let a business flounder. I just, I couldn't. If I knew that they were doing something that was really hurting their business, I felt like it was really important that we had to give that service. So what we started to do was started to create, um, you know, a, like a go-to-market strategy in my team where we did a presentation that offered – a 360 degree view of how the business is doing basically online and kind of sharing it with our clients. Um, and it basically allowed us to, to show, hey, I did the research. I have a vested interest in your, in your business and really, really took the time to get to know who our clients were. So we knew what to offer them. Um, so when it came down to you know, deciding, you know, whether or not to go out on my own, Um, what I kept going back to was there are so many people out there who are struggling every single day. They have to put food on the table and they love what they do, but oh my gosh, they don't know what they're doing, you know, and, and, and it, and they're, they're stressed about that, you know? And so that's where I said, you know, I want to come in as a business strategist and help with that side of it because Mm -hmm. really what it is, is it's just kind of helping people align with their goals And their visions getting a structure to it and just watching them just explode like that's that's what I love Mm
0: -hmm. that's very cool so you had this successful productive profitable career with AT&T and you decided to jump out on your own how honestly did your family react to that decision
1: well, I was actually um, recruited by another company right before, uh, about a year, uh, about fourteen months before. Um, before my, I went out on my own, so um, I, I went out with a, a different business, and and uh, it was a, like a forty-year-old startup, and and uh, was kind of recruited that way. And you know, it was time because the the company that I had left from AT and T had actually sold to another company Mm -hmm. and, uh, we kind of lost a little bit of our sizzle and a little bit of about who we are and everything. So it felt, it felt right. Um, this time in deciding to go out on my own, I will tell you that my family's ridiculously supportive, you know, and, and, um, my wife just never skipped a beat. She is my number one strongest force behind it. That's awesome. It's, and it, it, you talk about being able to exhale. Mm Um, it it just is such a difference between that extra layer of stress and pressure. I just didn't have that, you know. She um, reminds me all the time how much happier I am. The fact uh-huh. that I can sleep, the fact that I'm not sick to my stomach or you know stressed, um, and uh, I'm not driving an hour and a half to work, you know, and things like that. Um, and I also have, I mean, I come from a big family. I come from a family of eight, and I have um, my uh, brother and sisters and. Every single one of them, when I, when I talked to them individually, they were all super supportive and kind of all said, it's about time, you know, like we were wondering when you were going to do this, you know, wow. and my father is an entrepreneur. Um, my, all of my brothers and sisters, you know, they, they all come from entrepreneur backgrounds. And so it's like, well, it's about time you join the family business, even though you're not in the family business, you're out on your own. So um, it, it's, it's really great and it makes a huge difference. Yeah.
0: It does. It makes a really big difference. It's awesome that you had that. So what other struggles or did you have any struggles that you had to overcome?
1: Yes. <laughs> so, you know, it's funny because I come from the business world and I'm used to doing balancing, you know, budgets and P&L and I ran organizations that were, you know, $40 million, $50 million and it was nothing to to balance that. And, yeah, it's, it's you know, look at COGS, look at, you know, revenue streams. It's not a big deal. But setting up an LLC, (laughs) having to decide taxes, having to decide, you know, like insurance, no insurance, pass through, sole proprietorship, you know, it was so overwhelming because I'm a rules nerd. Mm. I am one that I will not skimp on anything. And so I was like, I've got to get this right. I've got to get it right. Like, oh my gosh. And it was, it was very overwhelming because um, I found that like the websites are not very helpful. It's a lot of legal jargon and that I didn't know what I didn't know. And, you know, I, I, again, talked to family members and, and they've all been doing it for so long. It's been so long since they did that process and things have changed that there were a couple of times where I was like, I feel not intelligent. You know, mm-hmm. it was, it was a very big time of self doubt going, do I really want to do this? Mm-hmm. I, I would love to run back to the corporate life where it's, nice and tidy and clean and safe. And you have departments Um, you can go to to ask. I was like, oh my gosh, I could easily have someone, please go do this, you know? Mm -hmm. And and it was just the, you know, the the little things that you can't rush the IRS. Mm -hmm. You can't Mm -hmm. rush, you know, any, you can't rush an attorney. Oh my gosh, I had to get my articles of the corporation. And, you know, it it was, I'm so used to just go, go, go that I really had to kind of surrender Mm -hmm. and just be like, take a breath take a step back and enjoy the process. This is a really good annoyance right now. It's first world problems. Mm-hmm. And I also started to write it down because what also came to my mind is you're going to be helping people that are going through this and it would be great to be able to hand something over. Um, and so I started doing that, trying to kind of take back the, the power uh-huh. instead of the frustration. And so I, I uh, ended up trying to kind of push through and, and make a resource out of it instead of a you know, something that was terrible.
0: What a coach <laughs> thing to do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so stereotypical of me.
0: <laughs> no, it's awesome. That's why, you, that's why you're great at it. Um, so you just kind of alluded to this, but is that how you generally handle roadblocks and competition? Or how would you say that you handle those types of things?
1: You know, it's, it's interesting because um, when I think of competition, I'm there's just so many there are so many business coaches and I'm a firm believer that you have to find the business coach that's right for you I've kind of evolved from calling myself a business coach to it it started as a consultant and I found the feedback was like someone saying I have I have an accountant and it's like no you have someone who does your taxes you know it's like it was just so highfalutin a consultant seemed like something that um your corporations used so then I started referring to myself as a as a coach. And what I found, and also from feedback, were it's almost like saying I need um, a, a fitness trainer. Mm-hmm. If somebody's not ready to start working out, it's almost offensive, right? But to say I'm a dietitian or a nutritionist, that seemed like, oh, that's not so invasive. So I started calling myself a strategist. It's really what I do is I do business strategy, and that's really what it is. The coaching aspect comes in when um, when people allow me to have that conversation, and when they start really kind of uncovering what are the root causes of the issues that they're having. That's when the coaching comes in. So what I started doing was saying I'm a business strategist. When we sit down across from the table, I do tell them. I really, really push that we do business strategy as well as coaching because they're one within the other. Because it's it's one thing to basically say, okay, let's put these goals in place. But if we're not addressing the root cause of the mm-hmm. goals, then we're really not mm-hmm. going to change anything, you know? And so it's interesting because the, the obstacles that I will struggle with um, commonly is, you know, we all have that in the back of our mind, like, you know, is... Are we doing the right thing? You know, am I pushing a client too much? Am I not pushing them enough? You know, and, and um, usually uh, what I have found is it the pacing is, is exactly where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a big believer in the universe and everything happens the way it's supposed to. And it's interesting because when I kind of start having, you know, thoughts about is this the right thing to do? something happens and I get a call and they're like oh my gosh I just got this client or guess what you know you I know you were forcing me or pushing me shouldn't say forcing but pushing me to really step out of my comfort zone and I got a client today and I won this or I won this proposal or I got off this you know program that I was put on to I mean it's been really great you know so it's
0: worked it's that's worked awesome it's it is really interesting that you say you start with strategy and people relate to that you're Prospects and clients, um, but and the the coaching comes through conversation. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that a lot of business owners um, don't realize that uh, overcoming obstacles isn't just about figuring out what the obstacle is and then powering through it. It's about the types of questions you're asking and the conversation that's happening around it and getting down to that root and maybe stepping all the way back and then addressing that problem again a year later because there was so much more leading into it.
1: For sure. I mean, it's it's interesting. A, a lot of people get really frustrated with uh, what they perceive as failures. Mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting when, when we talk about what they perceive as a failure, I always say you want to start your next, um, you know, uh, let's just say it's basically your next exercise, your next, um, what am I thinking? Um, you know, your next project. Okay. With what didn't work the last time. Right. And it's so interesting that, you know, sometimes it's, it's, you're on such a high about what went right that you don't address what went wrong. And I always say you always just start, want to start with what went wrong. And it's not about saying everything that's negative, but you have to learn from it. You know, I mean, it's so empowering to say, this is great. Let's make sure that we do this as a result. And then before you know it, you're just kind of humming along, mm-hmm. you know. But it's, it's interesting because, you know, with my clients, I am a big believer in what I call, like, it's, it's about recalibrating. And recalibrating is really, it's a different word than saying, okay, you messed up. You know, it's like it's like okay, let's recalibrate. You know, and and because it's not, you know, it it doesn't help anybody for me to sit there and say, you know, you did say you were going to have this. You know, there is a level of accountability, and you know, my job is to make sure that I press for the accountability, but I'm also open to pivoting. Mm -hmm. You know, because if we did not get to where we said we were going to be, but now all of a sudden we have a completely different revenue stream, or now all of a sudden we're going in a different direction, we have Mm -hmm. growth. I'm good with that, mm-hmm. you know, and usually they're good with that. Um and it and it's just a great journey. I mean, I I just I love seeing my clients change from when I first sit down across from them and they're stressed or or you know, they're they're really kind of like overwhelmed and then the next time I see them they're excited and they're excited because they want to tell me this is what I've done and this is what happened, this is what you know. And I I get to the point where at first I'm pushing and then I'm pulling back, mm-hmm. you know, cause I'm like, okay, let's slow down, mm-hmm. you know, because that's the other side of it is if, if what we're putting in place is working so phenomenally well, it's easy to say, well, let's do it 10 times. And it's like, right. let's, let's slow down. We want to stay, keep the pace, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and cause I want them to grow as well. I just don't want them to grow out outside of themselves. Right. You know, be smart about it. Exactly.
0: What's the hardest decision that you've had to make in your life? Not just in this portion of your career, but just a really tough decision that you've had to make
1: so um, you know working with AT&t, there is kind of an unspoken rule that if you want to get promoted at least to like a general manager level, um, you have to be able to be mobile, like you have to be willing to move, and that was tough. I mean, my family's extremely close Renee's extremely close with her family. And, you know, we we had to make the decision that we were willing and able to go ahead and relocate. So basically having that conversation, um, you know, and basically saying, you know, we're we're going to do this and being the only kids, you know, to, to branch out and and move. Um, except Renee has a, a sister who is a world traveler. You know, and she's she's always all over the place. Um, but like living somewhere else and, um, you know, picking up and just going. Uh, that was a tough decision. That was a really tough decision um, especially because you're moving to another state that you can't, it's just different. And then on top of that, a different time zone Mm -hmm. it's, and we've never been to these areas. Um, it was the best thing for our relationship. And, uh, you know, you never know someone until you pick out furniture with someone, you know, (laughs) you really don't, you know, or pick out a new house or Mm -hmm. anything. Uh, but it was great, you know, but I will say this, we never got pressure to move back until we had kids. So there's something about that with the grandparents, you know, (laughs) now all of a sudden they want to see their kids. And, and, you know, we also had that realization that we wanted our kids to grow up around their cousins, Mm -hmm. you know? And so the closest we have gotten has been um, kind of Austin to San Antonio. So it's not as close as we like to be. Um, But that was a tough decision. It really was. And it, it was one that we would, we would absolutely do again because we feel like it's, it was really the, it was such a great thing for, for, uh, for all of us you know but Good. that was tough
0: that's a great lesson though that sometimes the and that happened to me as well that the hardest decision that i had to make ended up being the smartest and best life decision that's so great yeah it's funny how it works out that way it really is. don't go anywhere i'm just taking a short break to thank one of our sponsors 5d show services 5D is a full-service trade show, display, graphics, and services company with over 30 years of experience. They partner with companies of all sizes to help plan and execute the best trade shows and events on time and on budget. I've worked with Danny at 5D for over 15 years and continue to be impressed with the level of service and quality he and his team provide. For more information on their capabilities, visit 5DShowServices.com. That's the number 5 d showservices.com. Would you go back and do anything differently? Obviously not that one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny when I look at my career, I would definitely, definitely do one thing completely differently. Um, I, integrity is a really big thing to me. Like, a really big thing to me. I don't know. It's just it's just deep-rooted in me. Um, and so I decided really early in my career that I was not going to be a schmoozer. Like, I, what I saw a lot of was the big boss would come to town, and everybody would go have drinks. And you'd always have the people that would, like, get in, you know, and hobnob. And literally, now I understand where the hobnob came from, because they would, like, literally be so tightly in with them, that they would be hitting, you know, (laughs) elbows and everything. And it was, it was just something that I just thought was, for lack of a better word, icky, you know? And I always was like, you know what? My numbers are going to speak for themselves. My results are going to speak for themselves and I'm going to get promoted that way. And so I kind of prided myself that I wasn't going to do that. I would go to happy hours with like people in the office and, you know, had friends and everything. But when it came to the big wigs, I purposely was about not going and schmoozing. As I got to the the level of general manager, I started realizing at that level, you need to hire people you trust. Mm
0: -hmm. You
1: need to hire people that you know and people that you have to get to know. You want to know them on a different level than just their results because they had no idea about my integrity. I mean, I had a reputation. Everybody... Um, knew me. People, people spoke, you know, highly about me, but they didn't know me, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, you know, my father gave me some really good advice. You know, he said, you know, business is difficult and you always have to ask yourself, will this employee put my kid through college? You know? And, and he was like, you have to ask yourself that, you know, will this employee, um, you know, put my business at risk, you Mm -hmm. know? And so I, I always kind of, thought of those kind of like that was my my guiding light and I just didn't see it like yeah I saw it as schmoozing and Mm -hmm. really I never and I think what it was was the people that I saw doing it were doing it from such like when they would walk away when the when that executive would leave they would just talk so poorly about Mm -hmm. them that I just didn't respect that and and so I really wanted to distance myself from that kind of thing and be like I that's not me and, and I really think that that hindered my career because they, it, it took a long time for people to finally get to know me. And then I started blossoming a lot more because they started to get to know me. So I would say, you know, I'm a big person on having things happen organically. Mm-hmm. And I think had that happened, you know, al- had I allowed myself to to be that, you know, and, and be more open then it, I probably would have, you know, risen a lot quicker than I think it took me six years to get into general management. But um but yeah, that would be something that I would have done absolutely differently.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So you, you saw it as inauthentic relationship building and that was icky. Yes. But once you realized that you needed those authentic relationships with your employees and other managers, then it became a different scenario. The picture of, you know, elbow to elbow mm-hmm. was different because it can be it can be friends. and and co-workers at the same time versus people trying to kiss up to you like you don't bring the boss to your home for dinner just because you want a promotion you bring them out because you want to get to know them genuinely right you can trust them exactly that's a really good point I'm glad you brought that up (laughs) it's interesting that it changed for you
1: yeah it it yeah when I was on the other side making those hiring decisions it, it you know you realize how much you truly have to trust your team and rely on your team
0: and know so, what they're doing outside of the office not because you're judging their behavior but they're knowing their decision patterns exactly that's interesting so what concessions have you made in your career that you'd go back now and change now that you've had the experience and the insight that you've built you just mentioned one that you changed your in, your insight changed mm-hmm. about it as you grew is there anything else that yeah you know i
1: i would have not known my place as much. Oh. I Oh, I see what you're yeah, saying. Yeah. <laughs> I allowed myself to be silenced more than I should have. You
0: mm-hmm. know,
1: um and and I, you know, I I knew that in in some situations, I I I mean, you you pretty much had two choices. You can either say like if I if I if there was something that was going on perhaps other areas were, were doing things that were not illegal, but unethical. It, it was, I, I just, I, I wasn't going to call anybody out and I probably to this day still wouldn't do it. Um, but it, it was, it was difficult because I, I still have heartburn over it because some of my team were collateral damage Mm -hmm. because of, like results and stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And it was just kind of one of those things that it wasn't hard. I mean, I knew numbers, I knew the results and things like that. And um and I I I kind of kicked myself for not having enough in me to be able to have conversations with either my boss or or their boss mm-hmm. and just be like, "Hey, mm-hmm. you know, we you got you got you got to get better than this." You know? Right. Um I did that when I was uh, later in my career, you know, uh, as I got higher, I was able to do that. And, um, and, and it's basically saying, hey, I, I found that, you know, this was, you know, uh, an issue and, uh, and I, have course, corrected this and I'm, I'm going to do this. But that was a challenge sometimes because I would take, you know, I had, I had one region where there was a loophole that they were, um, taken advantage of, we'll say, um, for manager payouts. And it was affecting me. I was going to get a $70,000 bonus. And by correcting this, my bonus dropped to like 35,000 and all of my teams were drastically impacted that much too. They were dropping from like 30,000 down to like 6,000. And they had taken advantage of this for years and years and years. And that's what they were accustomed to. So I come in as a new person, see the process of how they were doing it. And it was wrong, you know, and it was, it was completely wrong. And it wasn't, it was, it was, I looked at it like it was taking money from the company. Right. It was hurting our company. It wasn't hurting consumers. It wasn't affecting our advertisers. And some would argue, my managers argued, it wasn't hurting anybody. They were just paying them. And I was like, it's wrong. It's just mm-hmm. wrong, you know, and I talked to my wife about it. And she was like, you're good. Do it, you know, and and I struggle with that. And they were really upset with me. But I was like, how can you do this? Like, mm-hmm. it's not good, you know, so those were the I felt like I made concessions early in my career. And because I didn't want to stand for what I believed in. And that's kind of shaped me into the kind of leader of who I was. Um, but what was interesting about that is what I found is that it really helped to kind of weed out who the strong managers were because when you take out the loopholes, you saw that the person that looked like they were the weakest were was actually the, the person that was the strongest and right. had the most integrity, mm-hmm. you know, which is the team that I wanted. Mm-hmm. I didn't want the people that had the easiest and was making the most money. I to wanted the right, the you know, people doing the right things.
0: It's interesting that you started that with, um, you would have, used your voice or found your voice. Uh, I bring that up because we've talked a lot about millennials in the workforce. Yes. And one thing that a lot of current employers say that they don't like is that they speak up when it's not their place. (laughs) And so it's interesting that that's something that you have found that you've overcome and that you see is a benefit that uh, that the millennial uh, workforce generally brings um, that is not as valued as it could be mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. should be maybe in the workforce obviously Definitely. it doesn't their their opinion may not be right or their whatever <laughs> their stand it doesn't you know they come into right. the workforce young and they may not know what they're talking about right. but they they feel empowered to have their voice and and their leadership hasn't they don't feel like they have empowered them
1: (laughs) right it's given them that it's like it's not their place it's funny I do training on uh multi-generational um you know managing multi-generational employees and I give talks on it um and it's it is interesting because when you speak with your um your millennial crowd they think that it is the the boomers that are the problem when you speak to your boomer crowd they think the millennials are the problem and you speak to your Gen X's, which was what I am, and we're like, we're just here for the show. Yeah. You know, you just want to watch, you know, and, and it's interesting. And and what it is is what I what I have found is is your greatest group of employees is a diverse group. Right. You cannot function with a group that is all the same. You just can't.
0: Your decisions will be <laughs> you just very narrow.
1: Completely narrow. You're not gonna grow. You're you're it, it's it's fun to have people that challenge, but You know, and and it's also, you know, people have to understand that when it comes to millennials, they grew up in a technology-based world where um, you were asked your opinion all the time, you know, and and you were given a voice immediately. You came to the party, gave a comment, and were rated on the comment, and so feedback was extremely important. Um, And so to ask someone to to act differently in the workplace, it's a bit foreign, you know? Now, on the, the boomer side... Um, we can't just sit there and say, we'll just deal with it. this is the way it is. There is some ownership on both sides of it, right? Because on the Boomer side, it's like, hey, you've got a great opportunity to foster um, you know, that kind of, you know,
0: foster that dialogue,
1: right? <clears throat> That I is just so want funny. To that say, is, our is dog. a dog.
0: in the room. <laughs> if, if that picked up, if it doesn't, then you'll think that we're just weird. But yeah. we just heard a dog. sneeze.
1: Yes, and she is. Uh, she's rolling all over the ground, just happy, just happy as life. She's, she's agreeing happy. with what we're saying. Look at her; yep. she's doing it right now. She it's so loves funny.
0: Multi generational <laughs> management. <laughs> Multi generational.
1: Yeah, she is all over it. But it is interesting because when we talk about that, and I talk with owners about that, it's like you have such an opportunity to foster a great dialogue about you know how do you get them talking about it because I mean they don't know what they don't know but what a great opportunity to push past your limits
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know I mean and, and st- instead of sitting there and saying oh my gosh that will never work Well, why won't it work mm-hmm. it won't work right. because you've never tried it right well guess what nobody ever broke the four minute mile until the f- until the first person did it and then everybody did it after it, it was within a week they had multiple people do it
0: because one person be done, did it, then, you know? Yeah. So it's like, yeah,
1: sorry, I'm going to get I, I, Let me, let me hop off of my soapbox. Okay.
0: I put you on <laughs> it. It's okay. It's a, it's a good one. It's one that a lot of people struggle with. And the, you know, right now it's millennials because that's the, the newest generation to the workforce, but, uh, it's, it's always going to be something that we're talking about because each generation has its own styles of communication and, sure. um, and their own relationships with life. Um, so let's step back, uh, Do you have a coach or strategist or consultant?
1: I do. I have a coach. He is awesome. His name is Bill Small. Um, He's perfect for me. Um, I guess I'm perfect for him. But um, he's a perfect balance for me because I am looking for, or I need someone who actually has the ability to ring me in when I need to be ringed in, and I need someone who has the ability to push me when I am limiting myself. So... A lot of what Bill does is he focuses on myself as a whole, professionally and personally. Um, And I have been able to, um, you know, bounce things off of him, you know, talk through, you know, situations that that, you know, I have with my business. Um, And I'm a big believer um, that you, you know, a coach is absolutely essential in in your life. And so um, I do. I'm a big believer in having a coach.
0: That's awesome. My next question was going to be, what do you like most about working with a coach? Do you feel like there's anything more that you want to add beyond what you already said? Um, Just, you know, there is one thing.
1: Yeah, I would I would say this because I have had um, people that have had conversations with me that say, you know, I I just I'm just not a believer in in coaches. And I just I kind of think it's a waste. And here, and and this is kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, it's hard to say because I'm a coach, right? (laughs) So of course I should be passionate about it. But here's what the funniest thing is. When you think of world class athletes, you think of the best of the best. They have a coach.
0: Or 20 of them.
1: Yeah. They've got a coach for every aspect of their life Mm -hmm. because they know that they have, they need somebody to keep them, you know, at their best. And that's what it's about. Is you know, I believe that you know, a coach also is is there for you to be able to kind of dump on and mm-hmm. say, I need to just let all this out. You know, I think you know, people say, I don't, I don't need a coach. I have a, a, you know, my spouse is my best friend. It's like, okay, let me explain something to you. It's really good to not bring everything home with you, mm-hmm. you know, and it's also really uh, good to sometimes kind of have a separation. I think you always have, always have to have honesty, but when it comes down to business, you know. I think it's important to have somebody who has an honest, honest opinion that has honest conversations with you and comes with your best interests. And also, you know, is your virtual mirror Mm -hmm.
0: that's going to sit there Mm -hmm.
1: and say, let's have a talk about this and let's be honest. You know, Um, it's, you know, everybody, again, people at the top of their game have coaches. So to kind of say coaches are unnecessary. Well, I don't know that I would agree with that. But I do agree that you do have to be ready to have a coach. And, I mean, you have to be open to it. Mm-hmm. And you have to be willing mm-hmm. to buy into the process. Um, and, you know, you, I think you'd be surprised, you know, at, at what a coach can bring you.
0: Absolutely. I think um, it's important to be 100% honest with your coach so that they can see. Because unlike... Uh, Uh, athletes, they, it's hard for them to just roll back the tape and watch it over and over when you're not there. But the one thing that I find interesting about coaches in general is um, their ability to see things that you don't see. And so, you know, when you bring up the spouse or the business partner or other, you know, team members um, they're busy in the business and so they're looking at all the challenges in different ways but when you have a coach they're looking at you personally and professionally and the business and they just have a different mindset about it it's a different tool set it's like I'm never going to be a designer I'm a art director I I know where how to point out things that can be improved or more on target or whatever it may be but if I draw something it's the same picture I drew when I was four years old it has not improved (laughs) (laughs) and sure with practice I could improve it that's not something that I a skill that I've worked on that much my designers laugh when I'm like how about this they're like (laughs) (laughs) Not happening. Um, But they get the idea and they run with it and make it amazing based on the original concept. So it takes all those different ideas coming to the table and the questions. But that's just one thing that I have found uh, over time, whether it be you know getting yourself into the mindset of listening to podcasts because some of that is just is asking those questions of yourself on a regular basis. Sure. But also the coach knows you personally and what you're trying to do and what you Definitely. told them you wanted to do nine months ago. That's right. They will bring it back to you. <laughs> yes, we do. He's like, remember that thing? You brought that up five times. Why haven't you started that podcast, Bill? <laughs> so true. <laughs> um, so anyway, yes, I, I agree that it's just your your life will continue to improve with personal coaching and business coaching it's awesome we work to get you back to your passion that's a really great tagline how do you go about doing that
1: so i'm a big uh believer in working with uh people who are passionate about what they do and who are in it for the right reasons um i don't take every client um that was, uh, that's hard to do, you know, because when you go out on your own, you want to take anything and everything. Um, but what I found is that I can't be authentic in my coaching. And if I can't be authentic in my coaching, I'm not doing a service. So part of what I do is, is you know, when, when I meet with a client for the first time, um, that consultation is really for them to get to know me and me to get to know them and kind of understand where does this passion come from? You know, what is it that they love about what it is that they do? Um, and what I love about it is that I love seeing my clients just beam when they talk about what it is that they do for a living. You know, whether it be a a landscape contractor um, who doesn't do anything having to do with the plants or the landscaping. He designs landscaping and he's so passionate about it. I didn't know that was a thing, you know, and it was just like, okay, you know, but he was just so passionate about it. And I just, you, you want to just foster that, you know, and, and, and his frustration had nothing to do with his passion. It was about the business side of it, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and I had a roofer who was the same thing, you know, he was really struggling, um, you know, with his roofing business because he was going back and forth and back and forth about solar, you know, and solar roofs and everything and the integrity of the roof and what does it do. And, and when we got to what his passion was, he was just super passionate about, um, the environment, you know, and, and that's what it, you know, he started realizing that what he was doing, um, was kind of hurting the environment, you know, and he was struggling and and it was like, this isn't profitable and there's less clients and what do I do? You know? And, and I kind of take pride in the fact that I don't give people answers. I lead them to their own.
0: Mm-hmm. I have them
1: face what their own answers are. And if they don't like the answer that they discover about themselves and they choose to go down a journey where I'm going to change that, that I mean, they decide they're going to change that, we work out a, um, a strategy. We say, okay, this is what we're going to do. You know? and, and that's that's what I mean. When I say we work to get you back to your passion, mm-hmm. by the time that we are done – Um, with our coaching I want them to be just as shiny and new and completely thinking that the world is amazing again as when they started their business you know and that is what that's the part of the business that I absolutely love and that's what that tagline means to me
0: that's awesome that's really beautiful I want to throw in there that Letty is also really good and passionate about spreadsheets
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love spreadsheets I do them for vacations (laughs)
0: I do. (laughs) So she's great at leading you to your passion, but also (laughs) spreadsheets. Because, you know, I mentioned that just because it's a part of the business that people usually don't like. There are people, I have known them besides Letty, who love spreadsheets. I love it. And I think that it's important to have a balance. Like, if you have a partner and you're the one who likes to go out and schmooze, then Mm -hmm. you need the one who loves the spreadsheets to bring that together. For sure. But... um, but she also is really good at just looking at the numbers and the details and the P and L and all that stuff that she mentioned earlier. Yeah. It's not just the emotional goal side; it's you know how are you actually running your business as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's a really good balance that is so necessary uh, in business, and it's one of the one of the things that is really hard for. Um, Solo preneurs to find that balance of constantly going out and being passionate and showing their passion, sharing their passion, and then coming back and doing QuickBooks. <laughs> it's not. It's not. That's passion. Difficult. QuickBooks. <laughs> difficult balance for most people, but Letty's a unicorn. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> It's awesome.
0: (laughs) Why do you think that passion is important for business owners, leaders and managers? Because I know you work at all levels. So
1: passion is contagious, um, good and bad, you know. And when you think about managers, leaders, owners, you are are basically um, you're a reflection of your team. Your team's a reflection of you. And that I mean, I'm I'm an empath, so I will get, I will take on somebody's energy. So if I walk into a room and and it feels like the energy feels thick and it's bad, it can drain you, you know? And when somebody's passionate about something and they're just like excited and they're charged up and it's not because of Starbucks, you know, (laughs) and they're just like, yeah, I'm going to do this. You know, that is just amazing. And you get people gravitating to you and people want to do stuff with you, you know? And, and I, it's, it's just a great way of being. Uh-huh. You know, and so to be able to work with people that want to foster that and push that in other people, I think that's amazing. Um, and I also think that it's also amazing, you know, that that people have to understand. I always say, like, with my kids, I'm always on, uh-huh. you know, like if, if they come and show me a picture and it's the goofiest picture in the world, I'm just like, that is amazing. Uh-huh. You know, and, 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 and you know, it's, it's exhausting, you know, but right. it's also the best. You know, Mm -hmm. because I find that after they leave, I still have that goofy look on my face. And I'm like, that was amazing, you know, and I'm just like, oh, wow, you know, and and it just it's just so contagious. Mm -hmm. And so whenever I meet someone who is super passionate, even if I am not into, like I said, my landscape guy, I it was so cool to just see him just explode with this just pride and beaming. That's awesome, Mm -hmm. you know, and so it's important to have that, you know, and when you think of passion and if we just put it down to the most basic need and you think of a relationship without passion, that's when you're kind of like, There's there's kind of danger zone. You gotta work to get that passion back. It's coexisting. Yes. And and you can't have a loveless marriage. You can't have a loveless business. You gotta work on that. So it's how do you work on that? Then write that down. You can't (laughs) have
0: a loveless marriage. You can't have
1: a loveless loveless business.
0: business. Yeah.
1: And and what do you do if you have a loveless marriage? You go back to why did we start dating? Why did we get into this? Why did we decide to procreate? And it's the same thing with business. Mm -hmm. Why did I start my business? Why did I decide to start, you know, hiring people? Why did I procreate with other people? You know, and and Mm -hmm. start building these processes and remember like I did it because there was a reason there was a need and let's get back to that this is awesome you know and so that's why I love to work with people that that have that is because what I found is that you know it's hard to to give passion to other people it's a lot easier to remind them of why they have it Just pull it know? out
0: what's already there exactly
1: you know. <clears throat> beautiful.
0: I have another shout out. This one is to Wimberly Films. This is a husband and wife team that loves the art of filmmaking. With over 20 years of experience capturing the magic of life and business, they transform moments and memories into tangible treasures. I've seen these folks in action and it's amazing. Their work is breathtaking. To see some of their work, look them up on Facebook or visit their website, wimberlyfilms.com. That's wimberlyfilms.com. How do you keep your clients inspired and excited and and on the right track? So I'm really
1: big on um, creating uh, visuals and content and um, whether it's reports or online or anything, I tailor it to my client. So, um like when you're talking about spreadsheets, it's very weird. a lot of people don't like spreadsheets. It's kind of odd <laughs> <laughs> and if I, you know I, I if I was like, "Well, this is what you get, you know, I would lose my audience, right And so I spend a lot of time doing goofy things, you know, like I will do a presentation that is very much about what they do i will I will create like you know if 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 you know if you are in you know a financial sector i'm trying not to say what my clients do but if you're in the financial sector i'll do something that is financial i will do something that is um real estate you know and i just make it fun because I look at it like, you know, we're talking about something that is very stressful for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And if I can get my point across and get them engaged and get them, I, I love when they're like glued to my PowerPoint and they're just like, <laughs> this is so cool, you know. If I can get that and then be like, this is awesome, uh-huh. then 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 I've won, you know, and they've won, and, and that's what it's about, you know, it's, it's – I'm just real big on being specifically for them. I'm not one of those that's like, this is my presentation for everybody, and I just plug and play. I am it's not it's an authentic. Mm. Now my business coach says, You don't have enough time in the world to do that, you know, so I do have to figure out how to get, you know, less Something you know, in the middle. time. Yes, and, and, and kind of balance that. But I just I really, really want people to get vested and and get as inspired as as you know, as they do. And, mm-hmm. and it seems to work, you know? Right. So, um, you know, the other thing is, is I like to catch them doing things right. You yeah. know, I like to remind them of everything that they have accomplished mm-hmm. and remind them because it's uh, of everything that they said they were going to do. And no, they may not have done, you know, what they said they were going to do, but they leaped way past that right. and they have achieved so much more, right? you know? And it's funny because so many, every time that I'm, I'm, I'm I try to stay away from absolutes. So not every time, but. A lot of times when I'm talking with clients and in the beginning, they're kind of begrudgingly kind of saying what they're struggling with. It's kind of funny to me in the sense that it's like, I've heard this for 20 years.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's no different. Right.
0: Um,
1: it's, it's, I've heard it, you know, you yeah. are, you are, I mean, the greatest thing about it is that, you know, you, you can't have a poor self-image Without having self-realization, and so I remind people, like, so here's the great news: you are really (laughs) self-aware. You know that's the great news. You know the the bad part is is we gotta kind of be aware of what it is that we're looking at because there's this whole other world of yourself that you're not even paying attention to, right? And that's what we have to focus on, you know. And because it's hard, people, it's 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 hard to be a business owner, and Mm -hmm. they think that they should have been extremely successful already. You know,
0: Comparing themselves to, like, Bill Gates or people who have already done their thing. And, by the way, I mean,
1: I have these conversations with my business coach. You know, we all Mm -hmm. go through it, you know?
0: You know what's interesting about that is uh, I had a conversation with Bill once where we were ending the call, and he said, you're doing a great job. And I sat there, and he said, are you not? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, am I? He said, "Well, let's let's talk about this." He said, and he repeated some words that I had said earlier in the conversation. And I said, "Yeah." And then he said them in a different tone. And he's like, "That's great. Yeah. That is amazing. You started from nothing, and now yeah. you're here. That's like, cool. just change the tone of that, and it, yeah. the picture is completely different. Completely and different I thought, filter. I am doing a That's good right. job. It is awesome. So, it yeah. Is awesome. It, sometimes you just need that different." That, like, the, to move the looking glass just slightly in exactly. a different direction. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. What resources have you used to keep yourself and your clients on track, um, clear your mind, or keep you focused or motivated? Are there any resources or tools that you I so. Use?
1: I love Excel. You know, I'm an Excel person. I'm a PowerPoint person as well. Um, I like. There's a resource called MindMeister. Oh, and it is a real. I mean, I, don't, I get nothing for saying that, but um, it is Mind a MindMeister. If you would like, that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> sponsored by MindMeister. Um, but uh, but sponsored it, by Bill Small. <laughs> <I'm> Bill Small. <laughs> but um, it's interesting because it's like a virtual idea board, mm-hmm. and what I have found is that with my clients their level of stress when I first meet with them, it's like, I don't know why I need you, but I know I need something. And so we kind of break it down, break it down, break it down. I take notes, I go back and forth and I capture everything. And then what I do is I will go back and I will put everything down on this MindMeister and I section them. And it, it basically looks like if you were to just kind of do an idea board and just you know, line, circle, and then sub-circles, line, Mm sub-circles. And and it it, it is, it's so interesting to see my clients' faces. Um, and I don't do this for everybody. Again, it has to feel right, you know? Um, but it's interesting when they see that they're like, Oh my gosh, it is so clear what's
0: happening in their mind or what?
1: It's basically a visualization of, I have to do this, I have to do that, I have Uh to do this, I have to do that, you know? And, and for one client She was really overwhelmed because she was like, I feel like I have so much I have to do because she was in the middle of growing her business and um, she just didn't know where to start. And so I mind meistered everything. And then I said basically the sub bullets of how we can get there, Mm -hmm. uh, different ideas, and then sub bullets of, okay timelines, you know. And so when she saw it, she was like, oh it's not that scary, mm-hmm. you know? And, and for another client, I did the same thing because he's um, in a different industry and his situation was, you know, he's been successful for 20 years and now all of a sudden he's, he's losing clients and he needs to figure out why And he's, but he's doing the same approach that he did 20 years ago. Mm. So I put out what are the marketing today versus 20 years ago and let him see the overlappage or lack thereof, mm-hmm. you know, where the consumers are coming from. He was like, oh my gosh, like Mm. I didn't realize that Mm -hmm. you know and then put it then to my PowerPoint and kind of pulled it all together and so it's like telling a story and it just makes it extremely clear you know and what I like about it is that I haven't done this with my clients but if you have a group and they're virtual everybody can join in add things to it oh cool and so it's it's really kind of it's like I like it because I'm a I'm a I'm really big on visualization mm-hmm. so that people can see things. And, you know, it's one thing to tell people something, but it's another thing for to see, like, like in different forms, you know. Um, but I really, really like um, MindMeister. I like, like I said, you know, Excel. And I'm big. I'm huge on PowerPoint. Like, huge on PowerPoint. Um, but those are kind of, like, my go-tos. I also was using uh, another app that I pulled back from um, because... I'm just not going to say what it was, but it, I, it was very, it didn't play well with others. Mm-hmm. And for me, the sign of a good successful resource is one that incorporates with others. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that kind of goes to the core belief of what I'm, you know, what I'm about. Uh-huh, it's like, uh-huh. you you know, it's not about you your hoarding tactic. your stuff, you know, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. you got to share, Let you know, nice.
0: <laughs> that's really cool. So uh, as much as we've talked, Letty, I think that, mind meister description is a really clarifies to me what you do uh, in a way that makes it make sense to me why you're not just a coach and and I don't want to say just a coach because coaches are really important but that you you really are a strategist that gets in there and figures out next steps clear next steps uh, and and helps pull through like a consultant but so much more than that so Mm -hmm. That's really cool. Do you, um, what do you do to get your mind and body in the right place? Do you have a must-do morning or evening routine?
1: I, um, I do like doing a gratitude exercise. And awesome. this is something that uh, Bill gave to me. But my favorite thing to do is to incorporate the kids. So uh-huh. on our way to school, we'll say three things that we're grateful for. And it is hilarious to hear <laughs> yeah. what they're grateful for, you know, because it's sometimes like my son calls his stuffed animals wubbies instead of lovies, okay. right? Because he still speaks that way, and uh, and so he'll say like my wubbies, and I I really like you know um, you know my cause and my family, you know, and it's just it's just I just love hearing that. And then I've got my intellectual son who's like I really appreciate scientists and bees that pollinate the earth. And cumulus <gasps> nimbus clouds that perhaps have whatever participation, precipitation, blah, 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 you know? And it's just, uh-huh. I love hearing their little minds, right. you know? And, uh, and then my daughter of course is like sparkles, unicorns, you know, and everything. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I just, I, I really love that exercise because it, it really, it does. It, it, it really changes your mindset. It, you know, when you are in gratitude, it is hard to be in any other space. You know, that is another thing that Bill pushes. Um, and I just, I, I, it has become part of our thing,
0: uh-huh. you know.
1: And, um, and I just, it, it's, it feels off when we don't do it.
0: How do you get your kids to think of new things to be grateful for? It's interesting. It depends who goes first. Okay. You know,
1: so if Austin goes first, he's always thinking of new things.
0: Okay. Um, yeah. And I uh,
1: Evan and Mia just kind of pigtail off of what he does. Okay. Because uh, they're three years difference. So Do Austin's Do you ever nine. go first? Sometimes, you know... Um, but they, you know, mine is usually, you know, faith or, um, you know, my kids, family, you know. I try to make sure that it's not monetary, you know, or, mm-hmm. or material things, mm-hmm. you know. But I also try to make sure I don't correct them. Like, no, you want to do this, you uh-huh, know, because right. I, you know. No, you're not <laughs> thankful for that. <laughs> what are you thinking, you know? <laughs> Come on, you know. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because it, it goes into new conversations. And it's just such a, I mean, it's such great ages, you uh-huh. know, to hear their their discussions Mm -hmm. you know one of the things that i will give feedback to my clients on is when they say i'm just i feel like i'm stuck you know i'm I'm trying out you know a new revenue stream or i'm trying out a new product and i said well what do you what does your kid say and they'll be like what are you talking about they're seven and i'm like that's that's the greatest age Mm
0: -hmm. they're
1: so simplistic you know and i will sit there and and sometimes say to my kids you know i'm thinking of you know creating folders or whatever it is something simple you know and they'll be like well, why? Nobody really cares about this or that or that, you know, or, or yeah, it's a great idea, you know. Or, and it's just so interesting to hear, do they understand what you're saying,
0: mm-hmm.
1: especially if it's, if it's a concept, um, and is it clear? Because mm-hmm. really when it comes down to it, you just want to be clear, you right. know. Um, but, yeah, I utilize my kids all the time. It's
0: really cool. It is cool. That is really cool. What do you see for your future?
1: Um, you know, so I've had some opportunities to have speaking engagements And, um, so I'm really, um, you know, looking for that to continue in the future and in addition to the coaching and and the business strategies, um, and just expanding and growing into a good cadence where it's not too many clients. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not, I, I, I am not, my vision is not to grow leaps and bounds and hundreds of, of, you know, employees or anything like that until I talk to people that I used to work with and then they're, you know, they want to work together and I'm like, gosh, that would be great, you know? The whole team <laughs> I want to pull everybody All on. my favorites, that's what <laughs> I like, do. It's like, gosh, yeah. I would love to. I've, I've, I've been so blessed to work with so many really good people. And Every um, time
0: I meet gosh. someone that I feel like is amazing, I'm like, you need to work for me. Right? I, I don't just, even, I can't I afford to, you, but I, you right, really, I, I really do. need to work with you.
1: There are so many good, good people that... You know, especially if, if they're in a situation right now where they're not being valued.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's it's silly. I mean, it, it sounds so silly. Like, you know, there, there are some people that are like, oh, you have to tell them, you know, that they're great. And it's like, no, you don't have to tell them that they're great. Right. But you do have to be honest and mm-hmm. give feedback. It mm-hmm. is amazing what people will do when they feel like you have their back, you know?
0: Yes. I think the other thing about that, and this is kind of that multi-generational management thing, is uh, motivating people, in w- how they need to be motivated. And I think yes. this has been really hard for mm-hmm. managers to learn. It's kind of like learning your partner's uh, love language. Mm-hmm. Once you know what they what their love language is and you're p- providing that and not your own, love language mm-hmm. then your relationship grows leaps and bounds it's the same thing with management right if Absolutely. you are motivating in the way that really inspires like I am motivated by praise mm-hmm. <laughs> tell me I'm doing well mm-hmm. I will do even better you know if you tell me I'm not doing well that doesn't motivate me in any way right. if you tell me you're gonna give me more money yay but it doesn't motivate me mm-hmm. You know, and so yep. most managers will say, What are your numbers? You need to be here, let's do a competition, send you on a trip, but that's not necessarily not what's gonna do
1: it. It's interesting. I, I do a um I've I do leadership training as well. And it's that's part of the training that I do is, you know, as a leader, as a manager it's on you to figure out what motivates, you know, your team. And it's interesting because, you know, there's, there's, um, two different types of management, right? There's multi-stream and there's mainstream. Multi-stream is when you basically evolve to the other person and mainstream is this is the way we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. I was raised air quotes, um, in mainstream, you know, with at and you were given a directive and you were given your opinion and you were there to, to basically carry it out. Um, when we purchased bell South, and I moved over to the um, Belsat side, which was the east side of the country. Um, they were 100% mainstream. It was all-inclusive, kumbaya, like, let's have a talk. And it was difficult. It was very difficult. It was like, what do you mean they have an opinion? You mm. know. And I had a leader who really pushed me, and he said, your job is to motivate and inspire. And it was hard. Mm. It was like – because – the the team was like they they challenged you Mm -hmm. and they would push back and it was like what do you mean and the leaders were like no 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 that's good when somebody wants to push and it was the best thing that ever happened in my Mm -hmm. career because i was that that was growth it was it was uncomfortable so when i when i coach um, managers and, and coach them you're absolutely right it is so important to understand what works for people and it is a lot more work to manage people accordingly you know, according to what drives them. But it also, I mean, that's your job. Like that's what you signed up for. You know, your job is, is like, I always say it's so important that people love their job. Mm -hmm. I wanted people to really love working and not working for me, but I wanted them to love their job, you know? And that was the best sign that I could get is when people were sad because I was leaving, they, they felt, you know, off, you know, and Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, my work here is done, you know? And it was like, because they should always feel good about themselves. And it wasn't about blowing smoke and BS and no, everything's great, but it was having the respect enough to have the conversation, having the tough conversations, as well as understanding, like you said, what works for someone what doesn't. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What advice would you have for anyone um, getting out there and getting ready to take the leap toward a new venture that they're passionate about, or better yet, a business leader who feels like you said, stuck or overwhelmed. So if you're,
1: um, if you're looking at starting a business, it is very, very important to have a business plan. Everybody hates it. You know, it's like, Oh, the dreaded business plan. Um, the business plan really allows you to kind of bring your vision to life, you know, and it all allows you to have realistic expectations. Um, you know, I, until I had a business plan, I I was under the impression that I was going to be making as much money as I did at my last job in three months. Mm-hmm. And then I did my business plan and I was like, yeah, that's not happening. You know? And so you, you really need to do a business plan because it allows you to set your goals um, and really kind of align yourself to what the reality is and really be able to set yourself up for successes instead of failures because you can't, and, and really bottom line, set yourself up with a plan, you know, Mm -hmm. um, for, for a leader that's out there, that's struggling. Um, the number one thing to remember is that's normal. Mm
0: -hmm. That is
1: absolutely normal. Congratulations. You are normal. (laughs) Um, number two, what's not normal is to allow yourself to stay in that state.
0: Mm-hmm. you know,
1: it's, you have to be able to decide, okay, what am I going to do about this? Um, you need to call me and no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you need to, um, I would highly advise listen to podcasts, make right. the most of your time, you know, um, like create, drive time you know, yes. image,
0: running, whatever, but going to in the background,
1: background. you know, yeah. find what, what drives you set aside some time for yourself. You know, um, if you, Um, if you have a business coach that you can hire, then I would hire a business coach, you know, and align with them and be honest about what it is that your goals are and rediscover yourself basically. Um, but just don't suffer in silence. That's not allowed.
0: (laughs) That's really great advice. What makes you feel deeply inspired or happy? So my kids make me extremely happy.
1: My family, my wife, and my kids—I just, I, I'm just so happy around them. I'm, I'm really awesome. Um, I get truly, truly, truly get inspired by people who are passionate.
0: Yeah. I, like
1: I said, I'm an empath, and I can feel it. Uh-huh. And so when you have someone, um, like I love going to my kids' school because the, te- the, the teachers just are in it. Like mm-hmm. they're on at mm-hmm. all times. Like they must go home and just be like. Oh my gosh, I'm I'm exhausted.
0: Because they're they're just always on, you know?
1: And I just I love that. That that keeps me really inspired.
0: So, you interviewed me before I interviewed you, and you brought me this question, and I love it. What's your favorite curse word? Motherfucker. Awesome. <laughs> but
1: around my kids, I have a different one. I will say, and it's so funny because they say it too. I say cheese and rice because I don't want to take God's name in vain. So, instead of saying Jesus Christ, I'll say cheese and rice, and my kids will say it not realizing that that's what I'm saying.
0: So, I, that's funny because I said Jesus. And, um, (laughs) my kids are like, what is Jesus? I'm like, I don't know. It sounds good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. They, they mimic everything.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. That's funny. Uh, What profession other than your own would you like to attempt?
1: God, I would love one day. Um, I would aspire, I aspire to be, um, a motivational speaker someday. I need something to speak about.
0: But uh <laughs> No you don't. I think you have so many stories already. I
1: mean it's it's uh that's that would be like my ultimate dream job is I, I'm I'm one of those people that if you put me in a room with twenty people, I will just I'd rather be like a snail in a corner, just oh my gosh, get me out of this room. If you put me at a podium in front of ten thousand people, I am in my element. Really? I just Love it. That's fascinating. I just because I feel like I can motivate, um, and I, I I fuel off of it. I really, really do.
0: So that was supposed to be the last question, but uh, you gave me too much there. <laughs> when did you feel that started to happen for you? Because that's the, not natural. The,
1: the podium. <laughs> You know, um, I, it's, it's funny because I ever, ever since I was, I was little, I always gravitated to being like the captain of the team, you know, and, um, there was, you know, I was in charge and, and, uh, when we would play games, I would be the the person that was the, you know, the picker, you know, and, and I just loved kind of pulling everybody together and let's go do this, let's go do that, like charge the hill. And I just, I, I remember, God, I was little I remember watching I I, I'm a daddy's girl my my dad is like my world and um, I was he was watching some is Patton I think is the name of the movie and Patton is at the podium and there were just a bunch of like military people and I remember the looks where everybody was just he -hmm. was holding court and everybody would just respected him and my dad thought it was the coolest thing and I remember thinking I want to be that. You know, so I'm sure now that I think about it, oh, my God, it's a daddy issue. No, no, <laughs> no like,
0: you, felt, you felt something <laughs> empowering. You felt I want to be that.
1: Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I really, really. Yeah, I want people I, I really I want to inspire people and I want I feel off of how they feel. And I take a personal responsibility for my clients like I want them to be successful like that is so important to me. So if I can't work with a client, I will not work with a client. I will not take on a client that I cannot improve their business. It's really important to me. So that's, yeah, it's an it's an awesome responsibility. In that word of what awesome truly is, Mm -hmm. it's huge. Mm -hmm.
0: But it really is. I love it. Well, I can tell that you are passionate about (laughs) your business and bringing that passion forward. So your tagline matches your work and your feeling. And I'm really honored and proud to have you on our first official podcast. I guess my interview is technically official, but um, thank you so much for being here. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So this has been MVP Podcast, and I welcome you guys back. We're going to have lots of other awesome, wonderful, passionate, motivated, mission-driven uh, business leaders, uh, join us and, uh, super excited. Awesome. Thanks guys. Hey, so what did you think of MVP business? If you liked it, please subscribe and tell all your friends, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. If you didn't like it, don't just leave. Let me know what I can do to improve who you'd like to hear from and what you'd like to learn. The mission of MVP Business is to share the strengths and struggles of leaders who have successfully grown their businesses while staying true to their mission and vision so that other entrepreneurs can follow, knowing that the path isn't easy, but the journey is worth it. If you believe in this mission, please help by living it and sharing it. In the meantime, enjoy the day and live with passion.